Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. Thanks for listening. In certain sectors, this has been a somewhat sleepy M&A year so far. Uh, since the election, I was just talking to an RBC strategist who told me his projections have U.S. volume down 10%. Now, some of that is because in, let's say, the telecom industry, a lot of those big-name companies haven't actually been able to talk deals with each other because of this ongoing government-sponsored wireless spectrum auction. That ends later this month, uh, and so, so that's part of why that, that number is down. Uh, but one area that has had a lot of action is the U.S. consumer industry. Earlier this year, we talked about the proposed and since-abandoned Kraft Heinz-Unilever merger. A couple weeks ago, we saw Panera get acquired by JAB Holdings, and this week, Two stories coming out about Amazon's interest in old-fashioned brick-and-mortar retail businesses. A Bloomberg scoop that Amazon looked at acquiring Whole Foods, and a New York Post scoop that there's been some interest in Amazon buying BJ's Wholesale Club. And then on top of that, a Recode story that we have since confirmed that says Walmart's in advance talks to buy Bonobos, the 10-year-old men's fashion retailer. We're putting a number at $300 million on that transaction. Oddly, at face value, it seems like Amazon wants to become more like Walmart, looking at physical store businesses, while Walmart continues to transform sort of more into Amazon, looking at a slew of e-commerce options. So joining us to discuss is Bloomberg Consumer Team Leader Nick Turner and Bloomberg Gadfly columnist Shelly Banjo, who covers retail with her columns. Nick, Shelly, welcome to Deal of the Week. Thanks. Thank you. All right, Nick, let's start with you. It's been a small sample size so far this year. But it does seem like there's been decent activity in the consumer space when it comes to M&A. Has that surprised you? Is there something about consumer companies where we've been waiting for some expected consolidation? It's It's been still pretty slow in certain areas, like a sort of apparel that isn't about to be bought by Walmart. And uh, there, there's certain, you know, the, the sheer number of deals, I think, is still down a bit in, in, in a pretty big area of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that nobody really expected Walmart to be quite this aggressive and going after some of these uh, hipper brands that don't seem to have quite the synergy with what they've already have, but maybe that's the point. And then Amazon, I think, has been surprising in terms of, even if it's just internal interest that they've ex- expressed in, say, a Whole Foods or BJ's, I mean, it, I, I, I don't think I've predicted that by any means. So, Shelley, maybe you can shed some light on this for us. What is Amazon thinking. I, I'm not sure I fully understand. I think the issue with Amazon and Walmart are totally different. With Amazon, it's grocery. I think it's all about grocery. And I think that I really don't see, foresee a world where Amazon buys Whole Foods or BJ's for that matter. I think it would be probably irresponsible for Amazon to not look into these kinds of companies. Maybe it happens. I've been known to be wrong before. But I do not I do not see foresee this happening because Amazon can build their own stuff. They do not need to go buy these old retailers and kind of retrofit them to deliver to the consumer what they're trying to do. And so, just so that I understand, are you saying that because it's all about groceries, that's why they need all these physical brick-and-mortar stores, because you need somewhere to hold and ship the groceries? Yeah. So this is one area that Amazon has not mastered yet, and that's this 800 billion gargantuan grocery business in the United States. And that's because Walmart, however, has. It, right? That's exactly right. It's the it's the thing that Amazon is still evaded Amazon from a from a retail standpoint. They haven't figured out how to crack it. One of the big reasons is people still don't trust the internet to buy bananas and things of that nature. 
And so the thinking would be that they would get into the grocery business and sell food the traditional way, or because they own the stores, they could somehow convince people to trust buying bananas on the internet. So they could kind of create this dual track system with their stores. So half the store is are things like fruit, vegetables, things that you want to touch, where people would actually go and touch and feel and, and pick them out. Then the other half of the staples, um, you know, toilet paper, paper towels, uh, saran wrap, those things would kind of just be run by robots in the back, the, assemble them, kind of drop down through some sort of chute or, or something like that. Or you could kind of pick them up on your way out the door. And that way, you kind of start to train consumers, oh, actually, that fish I bought was okay. That Those bananas I bought were okay. Suddenly, you don't need to really go into the store anymore once you have that kind of habit set that you trust Amazon. All right. So, Nick, you mentioned briefly um, that maybe the, the, the reason why Walmart is looking at bonobos, this sort of hipper men's 10-year-old fashion line uh, or company is that maybe the point is that they don't really have a lot of synergies with what's currently offered at Walmart. Does that mean that Walmart is doing this sort of to compete with Amazon? Oh, I think that's definitely the point. I mean, I also think that there's a certain subset of the population that just doesn't want to shop at Walmart or just doesn't interest them or they don't realize that they want to yet is a hope. And um, I think some of So this is like an entry into Walmart for that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine brands sort of farther different ends of the spectrum than, say, like a mod cloth, which they they already bought, which is women's apparel. But, you know, it's kind of quirky, bohemian, a little bit, just not really what you imagine you're getting from Walmart. And if you go to their site, actually, I'm not sure the deal's 100%. Closed yet? I think it's probably close or anything, but I don't think you're going to be able to see really any evidence whatsoever that you're shopping at Walmart. There may be some, you know, exchange of of, of brands or something like that. But I think when you go to these sites, Moose Jaws, another one that's an outdoors kind of an REI of of online that they bought recently. I don't think you're gonna. It's not going to blare Walmart at the top of the screen. Um, so you kind of feel like, oh, this is the site I'm used to. Uh, you know, I like it. It feels. Um, you know, certainly not edgy, but at least sort of like authentic in some way to me. And I'm going to keep shopping there, even though it's owned by Walmart. At least that's a hope. But then Walmart would also store the brand's clothing in their stores, and that might be the entryway for new customers into Walmart. Is that the idea? I think two things. One is you're hope hopefully you you know the whole distribution side of it and and kind of the back end side of it. You have this enormous efficiency, and you you sort of take advantage of that. And then also, yeah, that's the question is whether some of these brands wind up at a Walmart in some way. And then you get into more dangerous territory in terms of preserving whatever the current brand is. Because, um, uh, you know, if if a shopper goes in and sees that at Walmart, then, you know, they're obviously going to have a different impression of it than they, than they would currently. So th- this is interesting to me because um, M&A 101 says you're supposed to make deals that uh, are very much uh, contribute to your core competency and therefore... You sort of should buy something that 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 in some way overlaps or vertically integrates with what you're already doing. Uh, this deal and some of the things that Amazon does, it's a little harder to see that exactly. But their businesses actually, uh, I suppose you could classify them as, I don't know if it's vertical uh, integration or horizontal integration. I'm not exactly sure what I'm about to describe. But really what it's doing is it's sort of 
throwing a bone out there to customers that maybe aren't shopping there and hoping that they come in and buy everything else there. So that's we've seen Amazon do this, for instance, with video, uh, where all of a sudden they're selling this video stuff. And then maybe that will make you buy Amazon Prime. And then maybe that will make you buy everything else that you can get on Amazon. Uh, Shelly, where exactly does Amazon make its money these days? Because they're doing a lot. Is it mostly just the traditional, I go on Amazon and buy something? Or is it the Prime subscriptions? Or is it the web services business or or other things that they're doing? Well, making their money depends if you're talking about revenue or profit. Well, right. So let's talk about both. Because profit... Does profit even exist yet at Amazon? Profit exists. Profit mostly comes from AWS, Amazon Web Services, that's very profitable for that company. Um, Revenue, you know, they're still getting a a big chunk of their revenue from their retail business, but then also from from their web services as well. Things like video, we have no idea what (laughs) what is happening there. But Jeff Bezos likes to think that if you can get if we can if amazon can get you stuck on their video then that will increase the revenue on everything else on its website it's all kind of increasing this value proposition of being a prime member and 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 what just how big are we talking these days i mean what 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 percentage do you know of all retail does amazon control and then maybe nick i don't know if you know that also for walmart I mean, those are the we, we're, those are the two dominant players. Yeah, I mean, Amazon brings in 136 billion dollars in revenue. Okay. 91 billion of that is retail. So the rest is everything else. Um, AWS, Prime, um, third-party sellers, that kind of thing. Walmart is half a trillion dollars in revenue Ooh. all around the world. Um, you know, all of that is in almost all of that is in retail. They're still the biggest retailer that exists. But when you then you take a look at what's lately my favorite chart, um, which Nick knows, which is the percentage of growth in e-commerce. 50% of that growth is coming um, just on Amazon alone. So, And that's why, despite those numbers, Amazon's market cap is $429 billion and Walmart's is $223 billion. People think Amazon have a, has a better chance of getting into brick-and-mortar retail than Walmart does of having getting into e-commerce is that right nick because do you think i mean that's an accurate assessment of what's oh like i mean I, yeah i think that's definitely the bet there but um i mean i should say on grocery that is the area where walmart is both number one and fairly entrenched and as you mentioned earlier it's going to be a little harder to unseat them in that area um so that may be sort of their biggest advantage going forward the problem is is that some of the stuff that walmart's doing is threatening that very business i mean they want to get more click and collect or where you you know you order it online then you drive to the parking lot maybe someone actually brings it out to your car then you sort of eliminated the the someone going in and doing impulse shopping and going around and buying stuff that they wouldn't have otherwise bought which walmart has you know done pretty well over the years um they're still ironing that out i mean there's a lot of different there's some different pilot programs a lot of the time you still have to walk into a walmart and go all the way to the back to pick up whatever you need and people hate that and so they're ironing things out but if Ironically, if they do some of these things very well, they may be eliminating some of the revenue streams that they've enjoyed just because of you know what happens when people walk into a store. But the question there is, it's going to go there anyway. So they might as well go to walmart.com versus amazon.com if that person is going to go online to begin with, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any other option here. And I think Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart, I mean, he 
I think he's sort of seen the future, uh, not that he's necessarily a visionary, but I think he, he knows what has to be done and that there's really not an option B on this. And that's why you're seeing all these deals happen. Can you at least explain to me what the strategy theoretically would be for Amazon buying BJ's or Whole Foods? The strategy, I guess, would be they'd get a they'd get a brick and mortar um, physical presence very quickly. And with BJ's, it actually to me makes more sense than Whole Foods because Amazon is actually run more like a Sam's Club or a BJ's or a Costco than it is a Walmart because so much of their business is around Prime membership. And so, let's say you get. With your Prime membership, you also get to go to BJ's and pick up stuff, you know, physically. That makes a little bit more sense than Whole Foods, but who knows? Has that been part of the plan for Amazon? Have Basically, have they said? And because it does seem a little bit backwards to me, I must say, to be like, I know, let's buy a business that was popular 20 years ago. I don't think it's going to happen, but... You know, I think people like to think that Amazon could save all these retailers because they're doing so well. And maybe Amazon will come in and be the savior. Look, I could be wrong. There's a ratcheting up of of talk, you know, of Amazon talking to Whole Foods, Amazon talking to Macy's, Amazon talking to BJ. So some of this talk is coming from somewhere, right? Nick, when you look at the consumer industry in the beginning of the, of the podcast, you mentioned there were some areas where we really haven't seen a lot of consolidation yet. Uh, is that something you actually think might happen, let's say, by the end of the year? Like, are there certain areas that are ripe for this? I mean, so groceries won, right? There's like 40 grocery stores now. They, that You would think that those would consolidate. Apparel, you mentioned earlier, do we expect to see consolidation there? I think the problem, I do think grocery store is like way overstored. I mean, the whole retail industry is overstored, but I think that it's, it's an issue in groceries and you have these newer players um, like Aldi, I mean, newer, newer to us, at least, you know, moving in pretty aggressively. And um, so there's definitely going to be some kind of standoff there that might lead to M&A. But um, I think the areas that we're, is more of a wait and see is some of the, whether it's like the luxury segment, you've had this uh, Kate Spade, Michael Kors coach, you know, thing going on, who's going to potentially buy Kate Spade, if any of them. Does the deal fall apart? Those kind of deals have seemed like they've been very slow to come together, and there's been very few of them. And I think generally that people would like, if they're, if they're worried about the border-adjusted tax or some of these other Trump policies that they don't know which way he's going to go, I mean, you don't really want to buy a retailer at this moment unless you're someone like Walmart and you have a clear idea of what you're going to do with it. Maybe we should have started the podcast with this, but instead we'll get at it <laughs> backward. Can we just, like, just for for listeners that are not totally familiar with like the state of play in U.S. retail, uh, the the legacy players out there right now, uh, is the general sense in the world that these guys are doomed and it's just all going to go to Amazon and Walmart and that they're all going to die off? Uh, and if so, don't they all need to consolidate in order to stay afloat? Yeah, it probably depends who you talk to. But um, if you read any of the of our coverage, you know, every day it's this company went bankrupt, this company went bankrupt, this company went bankrupt. And these businesses that Walmart are, is buying, these are very hip and cool businesses from a consumer standpoint. But when you look at those companies' bottom lines, the one thing that runs across all of mod cloth, uh, bonobos, et cetera, they raise too much money and they don't have the profits and revenues to, to continue that growth. And Walmart is getting them at a discount. And same with Jet. Um, you know, all of these companies that even if they are getting paid high, you know, um, valuations for, they're still struggling to make money. And so 
these are this is what's going to continue. I think it's going to continue to happen that there are more of these smaller e-commerce brands are going to. And the keep... idea is they they won't go public because they don't have the balance sheet to support going public. And who wants to invest in a retailer right now? Yeah, I mean, some of the, that's the funny thing is so these brands that might be fairly cheap to acquire that have you know a long history and decades of you know customer loyalty in some cases and. Those haven't been the ones that have been snapped up. It's been these newer ones. I mean, it's like, is a company like J. Crew eventually get bought by, you know, one of these guys? I mean, that's still a brand that does have some cachet. I think it's had some rough years, but right. Um the uh a lot of the the retailers that have gone bankrupt this year, I mean, those brands I think are just gonna gonna go away altogether. They just didn't quite you know, like an HH Greg, you know, maybe it lives on in some form, but it's not exactly like you've got you know a massive groundswell of H.H. Gregg right. brands. You know? Again, it seems like the story there is to buy growth rather than these legacy brands that maybe either get acquired by private equity and sort of try to get turned around or they just die off instead of seeing the big strategic guys buy those companies. Shelly Banjo, Bloomberg Gaffley columnist, and Nick Turner, our consumer team's team leader. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. So that's it for this week's episode of Deal of the Week. Hope you enjoyed that. A look at the consumer M&A industry. As always, you can catch all of our podcasts on iTunes or on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal. And please, on iTunes, please rate and review the show while you're there. It helps other people find the podcast. Also, follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949. Shelly, where can people find you on Twitter? S. Banjo. And Nick? SF Nick. By the way, Nick's Twitter feed is great, and uh, if you enjoy uh, uh, short videos of, do you put the short videos of kids on kids on Twitter or just on Facebook? Sometimes they're they're overexposed, regardless. <laughs> no, right. Well, look, they're getting hundreds of millions of views anyway. You know, I'm I'm just saying, he's a good Twitter feed. See you next week. Mm-hmm.